To Scream 101. Ooh, sexy. I'm Sergio. And I'm Brennan. And are we starting it? I guess we are. Okay. <laughs> it was kind of uh, off the cuff. Usually I do that, but I'm into it. Take okay. charge. Um, so this month is name that month. It's Giallo month. It's Giallo month here at Scream 101. Uh, we know how our fans are are big fans of giallo as well we like to call them giallo heads jello heads <laughs> okay giallo shots yeah that's, that's better let's go with that giallo G- giallo shots spring break Woo. okay just go ahead brian just do the thing um this is the first week of giallo month and we're discussing dario argento's tenebrae which came out in 1982 but first we're gonna do our 10 word reviews of movies that we've watched this week all right starting off i have miss sloan jessica chastain makes special a special interest looks sexy. Ooh. And the fireworks woman. The scariest porno I ever did see. Thanks, Wes Craven. All right. The founder. Keaton proves unlikable enough to boycott McDonald's. Hmm. I'm boycotting McDonald's as a result of that movie. I'm sure you are. I am. Okay. I haven't had it since I've seen that movie. Yesterday. <laughs> Two days ago. Okay, great. So you're holding strong. And you know what? Every morning is a battle not to get a delicious McGriddles. Eh. So I'm holding strong. Okay. Um, unforgettable. Not true to its title. Rosario Dawson is bae. <laughs> unforgettable. Single white female meets fatal attraction with deadly sexy results. Ooh. The husband was really sexy. He's my new celebrity crush. I mean, I was talking movie. about Rosario Dawson. That too. So, Ro- but Rosario Dawson has always been my celebrity crush. Okay. Because she's awesome. Since, ever since she did a rant, you know, Brennan's has been in love with the... No, she just deserves so much better than what we're giving her. She's in Marvel. She's in like three Netflix Marvel series. Really? Yeah, she's in Daredevil. Oh, she's like the nurse or whatever. Yeah, she's in Jessica Jones, I think. As the same nurse? Uh, I think she was in there for like an episode or two. She might have been in Luke Cage, for all I know. Could um, be. I never finished that one. Was she in she Iron, Iron Fist? Iron Fist. Well, good for she had her. A meaty part in that one. Netflix hooked her up. Yeah. And so she's, is she different characters? She's the same character. She's the same nurse. Is the character that interesting? Yeah. Well, it's played by Rosario Dawson. I so, mean, okay, yeah. Like, obviously. I want to know what this nurse eats, where she showers. <laughs> like, is it showering at home? Whose home is she showering in? Yeah, the next Netflix show is just going to be that nurse from all the other things. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. We're getting off track. Do you mind doing the plot now? Yeah, sure. Tenebrae. Here's the plot to that as read from the back of my Synapse DVD that I got at the Amoeba in San Francisco. Where we were at a month ago, or two weeks ago. Yeah. Feels like forever ago. It does feel like forever. We're living in dog years. I know. American mystery author Peter Neal comes to Italy to promote his newest novel, Tenebrae, which is totally an American title you'd give to your novel. Unfortunately, a razor-wielding serial killer is on the loose taunting Neil and murdering those around him in gruesome fashion, just like the character in his novel. As the mystery surrounding the killings spirals out of control, Neil investigates the crimes on his own, leading to a mind-bending, genre-twisting conclusion that will leave you breathless. I mean, I'm still breathing, so I guess the movie didn't really deliver. 
Yeah, that's apparently not accurate. Um, as always, we rate our movies on scariness, campiness, FX, and quality. And with Dario Argento, those things tend to slide around a little bit. He's a very uh, ethereal director. Who yeah, he's a little of, all over the place. Yeah, everything blends together a little bit. So um, let's try to separate them if we can. Uh, what's your scariness score? Did this movie scare you at all? I gave it two. Really? Okay, um, why? So the answer, to, does it scare me at all? Not really, no. Uh, there are some scenes that are more frightening than others, um, particular to me personally. Uh, I thought the dog scene where the dog yes. chased her, like that one was kind of like, you know, you're on your the edge of your seat trying to figure out, is this dog going to dig into this woman's flesh? Um, he doesn't. The dog is... I mean, a little bit. In, he, like gets a, he gets a good scratch in, yeah, but he, he, doesn't, he doesn't eat her. He's no, you know, green room dog. Oh, that was gross yeah um but no but um that's this is a dog chasing a seven-year-old seven, 17 year old girl in mm-hmm. this movie and it's the most athletic dog i've ever seen it jumps, jumps so good and so fast mm-hmm. uh and then another thing uh again this is the part that's more scary to me is that the gore towards the end got pretty effective i would say okay i was not expecting to see as much blood and like stabbings as and they were pretty visceral effects for me yeah that that's one of the things that i actually really like about dario argento Mm -hmm. is that his style and his gore come in equally large amounts Mm -hmm. um i think this movie was more gory than it was stylish um i would agree with that because are old movies really stylish though i'm sorry are old movies very stylish though what do you mean well i mean when i think stylish i think you know drive um i don't necessarily think that that comes through in old timey films well um drive is a throwback to the 80s and this movie's from the 80s i think that old movies can be very stylish i am i think you're just not thinking you're thinking from a modern standard of what style means probably no but like look are you gonna tell me that audrey hepburn isn't stylish she's very stylish yeah exactly that's her character what that's her character yeah but she's I don't know what you're saying. Never mind. Just go ahead, Brennan. No, but his movies are very they're stylized. Okay. Um the this movie was very much more of a straightforward Jello movie in terms of like it's a mystery. We're going to try to figure out who the killer is and the killer is wearing black gloves and you mostly see from the killer's POV and it's very much like a pulpy crime novel. Um which is something that I'm glad we got to watch for Jello month cuz that kind of like set the standard for how these movies are. Mm-hmm. But I felt like it didn't evoke as much of what I think of as like Dario Argento's filmmaking style as it could have. Mm-hmm. Um the death scenes, yes, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But like the bulk of the movie I was like I'm just looking at a door. I could be looking at a door like drenched in cherry red light, but no, it's just a door. And it just didn't feel very Argento-y to me. So would you say it wasn't as stylized as it could be? That is what I said earlier. Okay. When we were arguing about whether or not it could have been stylish because it's old. Well, I mean, I was saying that it wasn't a very stylish movie, so I didn't see where you were getting that from. No, I'm getting that from his other movies. That's what I've come to expect from him. Okay. But I didn't really get that in this Okay. See, that wasn't coming through to me. You got to listen. I was listening. You have to clarify. Okay. Well, I gave it two out of five screams. Because even though I wasn't super scared and I wasn't getting exactly what I expected, there's still, I mean, there's a lot of fun solving the mystery, even though there's not really any clues. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a little frustrating with some of these movies because they're kind of, they're so esoteric. There's nothing structured about them. It's not like 
I have the information and I can solve the problem. Um, literally, in a lot of Dario Argento's movies, his characters will suddenly remember like an important detail that helps them solve the mystery, but we never saw that detail to begin with. Mm-hmm. And it's about, you know, like how memory has holes in it and how it's kind of fluid, but like it's not good for solving mystery movies. But there's a part early on where there's a shoplifter girl who is walking home. Remember she stole the book? From I, the remember, I remember. I remember her. Store? I'm trying to see like where you're going with this. Well, she's walking past this fence and there's this creepy hobo dude that's like trying to rape her. Um, on her way home uh-huh. and then he's like he's just like real gross and scraggly and he's chasing after her and she's like trying to use her keys real fast apparently she does not remember which key opens her gate because she tries them all well a lot of us have several keys on our on our keychain yeah but you know which is which it's true but in the spur of the moment where i'm like afraid of something happening to me like it is possible to fumble okay you're right but so this guy's chasing her and he's real creepy and she goes into her apartment and she sees the guy outside the window, and he's leering in at her, and it's this creepy, like, broad daylight moment. But the thing is, you're like, she's totally going to get murdered by this creepy dude. But she backs away from the dude at the window, and a black glove grabs her mouth from behind, and turns out the killer is inside with her, and the hobo guy is actually a witness to this murder. Mm-hmm. And that's a cool bit of misdirection that I think happens in a lot of these types of movies, but it's really cool, and I like it a lot. Okay. Like where you're not totally sure who the killer is and everyone's kind of sleazy and terrible. Okay. Great. So what's your campiness score? Campiness? I gave it three. Three? Three camps. Three perms. Three perms. Yeah. Why, you ask? Yes, you can just tell me. <laughs> um, The voiceovers was pretty campy. Like, I, like when the killer called on the phone? No, no, no. I mean, just the general voiceovers of the oh, movie. Oh, the dubbing. Yeah, the dubbing. Sorry. Yeah, no problem. Um, uh, prepare for a lot of that because, um, you know, I need to tell our listeners what's up with this. Okay, go ahead. Um, Italian movies, especially in the 70s, um, they recorded without sound. So whatever um, language the people spoke, whatever language the actor spoke, they performed their lines in their own language, mm-hmm. and then they just got dubbed over later because everything got dubbed no matter what. So um, none of the words really ever match up with the mouths, which is frustrating if you're not used to it. Yeah. But I kind of am. Mm-hmm. And it just came off kind of comical to me. Oh, it is. From my modern day perspective. Um, Okay. The pretty women and the boobs. Oh, man. Let's talk about boobs. Yeah, there's quite a few boobs. Dario Argento loves him some boobs. And before you mention it, because I just I have to mention it. The Pretty Women in the Boobs leads me into that scene, that flashback scene. Oh, God. I No, you can tell tell me about it. Um, so at one point in the movie, randomly, there's a flashback to uh, a group of boys surrounding a young woman. Uh, but, but not menacingly. Like, she's enticing them. Yeah, she's attracting them. She's shirtless. She's um, kind of toying with them almost, like toying around with their clothes. One could say that she's teasing them. She's like kind of pressing the back of her skull against their crotch in their pants, which Uh I've never seen as a seduction technique, but it seemed to work. I'll have to add that to my repertoire. Uh Um, Yeah. And it's kind of gives the illusion of a weird sort of, uh, I guess, gukaki scene. Can we say that? Uh, If you want, but... It's not a pornographic scene necessarily. It's, yeah. it's erotic, but everyone is clothed except for the ladies' boobs. Mm-hmm. Because boobs, it's Dario Argento. Yeah, it's he's implied. 
I think. It's implied that that's about to begin. Uh-huh. And then she's randomly stabbed or kicked. No, she's kicked, right? Or no, slapped? Um, there, the, there, were, there are three dudes that she's like doing her weird skull jobs uh-huh. upon. And um, a, a fourth dude walks up and slaps her. Yeah. And, and then she sends her little minions to attack him. And this this is all completely wordless, too, which must have been so awkward for everyone involved. Mm-hmm. And then eventually she winds up with her heel in his mouth. It's pretty sexy. Yeah. That's actually, that is the image printed on the DVD. It's pretty great. It's just a heel sticking out oh, of her wow. mouth. <laughs> That's pretty gnarly. Yeah, like the actual disc has that image. I'll share a picture on um, Twitter on or whatever. Feed for our fans. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I thought that whole scene was pretty campy, especially because did it eventually add up at the end? Like, in, we never really got closure on that, did we? Um. We basically got closure in the fact that it's kind of the backstory to why the killer hates women. I guess. Okay. It's not. It's not complicated. Okay. Like, I guess that's what it. Like, yeah, that's what I thought it was, but I was never really explicitly told, which angered me. I'm so sorry. You're not. You're not going to get a lot of um, explicit explanations of things in these movies. Why? I, I need it to be like Gone Girl where they explain to me like step for step, like why is this happening? Eh. Why are people being killed? Well, maybe we'll do a David Fincher month. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, what, what was your score for Campiness? I three. Three. I also gave it three out of five perms. Ooh, we're on the same track. Yeah. Um, Dario Gento loves him some ladies. Um, and... I don't know. I one of the reasons I like exploitation movies is the way that they shoehorn boobs in around every corner. Mm-hmm. There's this one character who I think is named Tilda. Um, she's a lesbian, and as the killer says in his note sent to the author, so passes the glory of lesbos. <laughs> that was pretty funny. In Latin, which mm-hmm. is wonderful. But um they're at this like a sexy cafe arcade aquarium. There's like a fish tank behind them. And then on the opposite wall is like a bunch of pinball machines. And there's this really beefy dude that one of the ladies seduces. But it's also they're like at a booth, like at a pizza place. And I don't really understand what's going on there. Maybe it's an Italian thing. Uh. Um, but there's this lesbian couple. But one of them just sleeps with dudes. Because like, you know, in exploitation movies, that's what lesbians do. Mm-hmm. Almost exclusively. It was the 70s. There wasn't enough, or 80s, I guess. It wasn't, there wasn't enough research done on lesbians by that point. Yeah, they were like, lesbians are just women who like kiss ladies and then have sex with dudes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but the her girlfriend's really like upset about it. But the thing is, in the cafe, her nipple is just out. It's just chilling. It's al fresco. Like it's um the, the, the bodice of her dress just like, just barely scoops mm. under the nipple so it keeps like flashing up and down into the frame and it's so distracting and i'm like i guess italy has less public decency laws or something well the europeans are in general more free-flowing with their sexuality than we are no yeah but like i've never seen a film where someone is that naked just in a restaurant okay um but it's hilarious and but then um later on she shows up and she's draped in a towel and that boob is the only one exposed. And like in in every scene we only see like that one nipple. And like she has a mole she's trying to hide on the other one. Maybe. Like like most actresses have a good side of their face and I, she just has a good boob. <laughs> I mean, it's a great boob. She was mm-hmm. a very buxom woman. Mm-hmm. Um but it's just kind of hilarious how they kept sticking with it. Um what else do I have? 
I have John Saxon is in this movie. He played the uh, the dad in Nightmare on Elm Street. He plays the agent of this mystery author, and he is obsessed with his wonderful hat that he wears throughout the movie. Um, and Brennan was obsessed too with his great hat. It's great. It's like a little pork pie hat. No, I don't know what it's called. Is it a, a fedora? Bar? It might be fedora, a fedora. A fedora is what Freddie wears. Yeah. I don't know. It's a weird hat that he got in Italy. And he's talking about um, the. there's like a one minute long scene of the author and the agent just talking about this hat. It never comes to anything. I <laughs> thought it would be like a sign of like when he dies or something that the hat is left behind. But no, it's just a hat. And they're talking about like, won't it slip off your head? And he's like, no. And he shakes his head around. <laughs> and He's like, look at this hat. And there's a part in a TV studio where um, he sets his hat down on this cart and someone tries to wheel it away. And he's like, no, my hat. <laughs> it's just, it's like the second or third most important character in the movie. <laughs> um, yeah, nipples and hats. That's going to be my real takeaway from this movie. Um, let's talk about effects, which is the thing I've always wanted to talk about in my entire life. What's your effects score? My effects score? Yeah. Four. Four out of five. That's good. Four to five. What was your favorite effects sequence in this movie the hand being removed oh um when the lady gets her arm chopped off yeah it's so cool yeah um that's definitely the bloodiest part of the movie it's very like uh monty python almost Mm -hmm. (laughs) because the killer like breaks the window and cuts her arm and it just sprays all over the wall oh it's so fun it's so silly sorry i'm yawning right now not because this is boring but because i just had to force that yawn okay you need oxygen. Okay, continue, continue, continue. Monty Python, yeah, yeah, the blood splattering everywhere. No, is it's great. a great blood splattering it's like scene. She's drawing on the walls. Uh, were there any other moments that stood out to you? Um, I just thought the gore was really good, and to me, gore is an effect. I think. Yeah, I no, know. it is. It okay. is. Oh, I feel like we've had this conversation before. <sighs> no, you. <laughs> you just keep like whenever I said like, oh, that part was scary, or like, isn't that an effect? And it's like, scariness is about our feeling about the movie. And it, we can't be scared by the effects. Effects are about the actual like uh, quality of the technical side of how it was achieved. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, okay. I'm I'm getting it now. Okay. Finally, after a year of doing this, um, I thought the editing could have been a little bit better. How so? What do you mean? I just thought some parts were choppy. Like I don't know why certain scenes were included. Yeah, I mean, again, that's a little bit of like this kind of Italian style that I guess I'm a little used to more than you are. So I'm glad to have your perspective, but I'm sorry it was not good for you. It was just, it was like, why are certain shots in there? Like, oh, there was a weird shot of like a bag at one point, right? Like, on, Yeah, that was the one that I'm referring to. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's a little all over the place. And there was another one later in the movie that I think you picked up on. Like, why would, did we see the lady cop translating or working with a woman in Spanish? Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. There's like a... 45 second scene of of the female investigator talking to someone in Spanish and like handing her a document and it comes to nothing. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, I guess we just get some background on her job. So we understand her a little more. Yeah. We didn't really believe she was a lady cop till we saw her in action. Oh, God. Well, mm, we'll talk, I'm talk about that. But um, no, it's interesting because Dario Argento, as much as he can make really beautiful sequences in his films um he also will stop the plot dead for like a really pointless kind of boring scene literally that happened this was like 15 minutes before the finale Uh and we're watching just this lady sitting at a desk he's ah he's such a 
master of his craft, and yet he just like doesn't, doesn't know get how to edit it sometimes. himself. I don't know. It's interesting. It's um, it, it's just all over the place. That's what he does. Um, I'm gonna give this three out of five left nipples for effects. Whoa. Um, I I think the effect sequences got bigger and bigger as they went along. Yeah, yeah. But I agree. the beginning deaths are also really cool. They're less effects heavy, but the way that they're stylized are really interesting. What? Uh. No, um, I'm letting you make your point. Okay, there's the 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 shy lesbian. Um, she's changing because, of course, but it's one of those horror movie changing sequences where they change, but they're facing away from the camera the whole time, so you don't get to see their boobs. And it's like, why did you make them change? Because they didn't have to change. The reason people change in movies is when you want to show us boobs. So I. I'm not. Maybe he's telling us that he has the ability not to show his boobs. I and guess when he shows his boobs, it's for a really artistic reason. Yeah, not just for sure gratuity or whatever. No, it's like, look, I'm not begging for the exploitation of the female form, but I don't understand changing sequences when there's no nudity because it's like I didn't need to watch this at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's really cool because she kind of gets her head stuck in her shirt, and you see the killer's glove kind of snake onto her shoulder, like the hand in the hair and the grudge. Mm-hmm. Um, it just kind of appears as she's in this motion of cloth and then the killer's slashing at her and he slashes open a hole in her shirt and you can see her face like watching him through this hole that he slashed open as like blood explodes onto her and her like bloody hand trails down and knocks a vase down. It was a cool scene. Yeah. It's, it's stylish. He's really good at framing these death sequences. And the, the second lesbian's death is actually the poster that you liked a lot. Mm-hmm. Like, she gets her throat slashed, and then her head hangs backwards out of this glass window that gets broken. Yeah. Clearly, this has been retouched, though. This oh, cover. for sure. It's not That's not, like, the image from the film, mm-hmm. but it's based on it. Yeah. And I don't know. I, like, I love the stylization of that. Nothing comes close to what happened in Suspiria, which is still probably Are the... Are we watching that one? No. Okay. Um, I watched that with Shannon a while ago. Um, what was I gonna say? Da, 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 da. Oh, I want. Let's talk about. Let's talk about the lady cop. It's time to talk about lady cop. Okay. Who? What does she do? She walks in on a scene of carnage, and uh, we're gonna spoilers, spoilers. Um, well, first of all, the killer is like this TV guy. I guess it doesn't make any sense. But then there's a second killer, and it's the author himself, who is killing his agent and his fiance, who's sleeping with the agent. Um, it's a whole thing, but the lady cop walks in on this scene of carnage after he's killed everyone in the end and she just melts down. She starts sobbing. Yeah. And it's like, she lost it. Like we close on that. That was our closing shot and our closing sound was just her wailing. Yeah. It's hilarious, but it's like, this movie is about an author or like an artist who's kind of misogynistic. And it feels so much like Dario Argento kind of grappling with how critics view his own movies. But the character that represents him is just the worst and also, like, gets away with it pretty much. It's very strange. But um, obviously this movie's as much as it's aware that it's misogynistic, it's still misogynistic. So the one woman who's in a position of power just melts down Mm -hmm. and accidentally kills the murderer <laughs> good for her because there's a jokes on dario yeah no but it's great because she's like sobbing and her 
her partner friend goes in and gets killed and she tries to like follow him but there's a statue leaning against the door and she opens the door and the statue falls and impales the killer and she just screams for like three minutes mm-hmm. it's great mm-hmm. it's wonderful it's the weirdest thing so Sergio what's your quality score for Tenebrae I give it three three out of five three that's solid honestly that's probably as good as I could have expected from the first movie of this month what would you would you give it four or five actually three. Oh. Well, why'd you make it seem like I was being mean? No, no, I'm. I was saying I'm glad that you gave it that high okay. because I was nervous that you would just hate everything going on in this month. No, it wasn't that bad. Um, it wasn't bad at all. I thought it had a decent story. Um, the like you mentioned, the effects or sorry, the the kills got better as the movie progressed. Definitely, um, which that, is rare. Yeah, that kept my interest going. Uh, yeah. Okay. Cool. The two things I got to say about that that score of three. Yeah, I also gave it three. Um. I think this movie has one of the best opening scenes ever. <laughs> it's um, the killer is reading the book Tenebrae and it's about like, and the murderer snapped and he knew he had to kill everyone and like clear his mind of all whatever's. And then the killer just tosses the book into a roaring fire <laughs> and the awesome Tenebrae theme starts and goes, I would probably knock it a couple points for the for that theme. The theme is awesome. For the music. I didn't like the, the soundtrack really. The 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 main Tenebrae theme I love. It's this synth vocaloid nightmare that's so fun and catchy. I'm getting you a synth for Christmas. Please do. But um <laughs> Oh <went> nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> I mean I'm getting you a synth so you learn to appreciate just how mediocre it really is. Oh, that is oh, that is savage. I'm gonna only make you listen to this soundtrack until the end of time, but not the tracks where it sounds like Miami Vice or something. <laughs> There's like a very '70s cop show vibe to a lot of the other music in this movie. To most of the music, one would say. Oh my god, whatever. There's also um, speaking of Dario Argento doing totally pointless, boring things for the sake of style. Um, the scene right before the lesbians get killed. One of the lesbians looks out the window, and then we get a shot of the camera outside the window. <clears throat> and then the awesome theme plays, and it goes, wah, 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 wah. and the camera for like a minute and a half at least pans up the wall from the window up to the next window to see what lesbian number two is up to, and then over the roof, and then down past the other two windows on the opposite side of the house, and then down to the killer who's breaking into the house. And it's like this weird, like 360 shot going up above the roof of this house. And it's really a technical masterwork for that time period. It's totally pointless Mm -hmm. and not scary, but it's so cool. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. It's art for art's sake. Yeah, that's very much, especially kind of how Argento operates. But a lot of the Jello movies are kind of like. How much that. have you read about this guy? Or how much have you seen already by him? Um, I haven't seen that many by him because they're a little more difficult to find. Like I had to buy this on DVD for like twenty five dollars to actually own it. Uh-huh. Um, but you bought it with used money, right? I did. With I bought it with credit. money from with my store credit that I got. Okay, cool. Yeah. Continue. Just let uh, audience members know that you are a frugal. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Um, but I haven't seen as much of Argento as I want to, but I've seen 
enough to kind of get his thing. And I've heard a lot of people talk about his other movies on podcasts and stuff. Have you seen more Argento or more um, Almodovar? I've seen way more Almodovar. Okay. We've seen like over a dozen Almodovar movies. I just want to plug Almodovar one more time. Almodovar is available in several DVD stores near you. Hopefully. Little Almodovar dolls. Yeah. I would love an Almodovar doll. If they made any, send them to me, please. (laughs) Um, no, I've seen like three Dario Argento movies. Okay, cool. I've seen Suspiria and The Bird with the Crystal Plumage, which you also saw. Which I fell asleep during. Yeah, well, that's kind of to be expected. Yeah. It wasn't for the podcast, so I didn't get mad. Um, yeah, no, it's it's very much... It's Argento applying himself to a very typical Giallo movie. It's a kind of a straightforward murder mystery thriller. And I enjoyed it. I liked the gore. The score is great, but it wasn't his best. And I think his best, which is probably Suspiria, is still only like a 7 out of 10 for me, but I still find him fascinating um, just because everything's so uneven and mm-hmm. kind of boring sometimes. Uh, okay. That's a fair point. Yeah. So, Sergio. Yes. This is the part where we do our genre check-in, and I can actually talk to you again about stuff because last time, the Dark Castle stuff, you'd seen them all. Mm-hmm. So, af- after seeing Tenebrae... What do you feel like you've learned about this genre that you like weren't expecting or didn't know about? Um, I guess how interesting I was expecting the plot to be. Okay, great. I'm glad uh, you were in- yes, involved. Yes, it was kind of meandering. Yes. <laughs> uh, but it was better than The Bird with the Crystal Plumage. Yeah. Um, that, that was his first film, too. So he improved himself in, until his drastic nosedive in like the late 90s. Um. Yeah, no, I, again, I'm really glad this is the one that we started off with because it was very much, um, you got to see a lot of the tropes in action, which is cool. Mm-hmm. Want to hear something really cool? Yeah, sure. As I was looking for a Pedro Moldovar doll, look what, and I did a, like a Google Images search, look what came up. Hey, it's an article I wrote about why Seed of Chucky is the radically clear film we all need right now. Yep, that's just great. Okay, that's conti- awesome. Continue with your genre check in. I'm so happy that if you Google things tangentially related to things I like, I show up. Yep, I'm an internet phenomenon. You're 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 the you're you're viral. Thank you so much. I'm so proud. Um, but yeah, cool. I'm super excited for next week. I will tell you what we're watching next week in just a moment. But if you want to contact us and tell us how you feel about Tenebrae, if you've seen it, or just Jallo movies in general. Um, you can find us on Twitter at Scream101Pod. You can find us on Facebook at Scream101Podcast. You can uh, email us at Scream101Podcast at gmail.com. Find us on iTunes, subscribe, rate, and review us. And we've been offering digital download codes to movies to no avail. And you guys have been sleeping on them, and we don't appreciate that. I know. But in honor of La La Land Day, which recently passed, um, whoever reviews us next will get a free digital download code of La La Land, which is the second best movie of last year, according to the Academy Awards. Or the best movie for a minute. I really, it, it was my favorite movie of last year. Um, it was mine too. Yeah, we didn't, it's, uh, the, it got stuck up in this whole annoying taboo thing that people got mad about, whatever. Um, I'm so happy that Moonlight won Best Picture, but La La Land was still my favorite. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, so find the joys of La La Land um, by reviewing us. And it's for free, so why not? Yeah. It cost me $22. <laughs> it's you for free. Almonds what it cost at Target. I didn't I didn't shill out three bucks for the extra bonus disc of a half hour QA at Target. No thank you. 
Um. Anyway, I'm just. Did you shame me if I did that? If I own a deluxe Blu-ray edition of La La Land. Oh sure, I'll watch the Q and A, but I'm not paying three dollars okay, for it. Okay, cool. Um. Anyway, next week we are watching. Another day of some. Yep. Next week we're watching a film, uh, 1987. We're watching a movie by Lamberto Bava, who's the son of Mario Bava, who was one of the like premier directors in the genre. So we're watching nepotism. Yes, we are. I don't know how I feel about that. Everything's nepotism. We, in the credits, um, we saw that Claudio Argento was the producer of this movie. Everyone's related. Um, also, Michele Soavi, who is, he directed Stage Fright Aquarius. He was an assistant director on this movie. So everyone knows everyone in Italian horror. But anyway, the movie we're watching is his 1987 film, Delirium, Photos of Gloria. Which I believe is on YouTube. If you want to watch it on YouTube, oh, I mean, like, are you telling me we're gonna watch it on YouTube? No, I'm telling the the listeners where they can find it. Oh, um, but yeah. So thank you so much for listening. That was our Tenebrae episode. I'm I'm so excited about this month. I love me some style, some crazy kill sequences. Okay, let's uh let's stop podcasting and go eat some cookies. Okay. All right. Uh, good luck on your journey, everyone. And stay gold. Hello there. I'm Uncle Ponyboy. Do you like suspense? Don't go in there! Buckets of blood and human excrement? Pour upon me! Gratuitous nudity with more boobies than you can handle? Let me see them. And radical hairstyles? Oh, yeah! Then you should check out the Gorgab Podcast, hosted by yours truly and DJ Gill. You can find us on the iTunes Podcast Store and on Twitter at Gorgab Podcast. And while you're at it, go ahead and go check out cupholderradio.com. It's podcast for the weird at heart.